on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Now, guys, welcome to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast, hosted by Johnny and Dave. I am delighted to say that we are joined by one of Ireland's greatest golf exports, uh, one of our most accomplished amateur golfers, uh, Olivia Mahaffey. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. No worries. You're, it's a lovely Sunday morning, but it's only about 8 a.m. over there. Yes, I think so. So already done a little bit of putting practice. So um, take a little break now and then get back to it. Um, so where exactly is over there? You're in Arizona, but narrow it for us a bit. Um, yeah, in Arizona, in Tempe. Um, so close to Scottsdale um, at our golf facility. So we're very lucky. We have such a great golf facility at Papago um, and probably one of the best designed by Phil. Um, and yeah, we're just so lucky. I never want to leave this place. It's hard to want to go to school when um, you've got this on your, on your back door. It's, I've been, I follow you on Instagram, obviously, and I say when it's rainy and cold and dark in Dublin, watching you puring the ball in gorgeous weather in great conditions, I couldn't be any more jealous. Yeah, it's pretty good. The weather year round is good. A little hot in the summer, but um, get back home for that. And um, it's nice to see rain. I actually get happy when I get home and I have to play in some bad conditions because we don't get that too often here. Um, so you said that you started off with some putting this morning. What time do, what time does a typical co- college day start for you? Yeah, it depends. If we have team workouts, which are normally in the afternoon, I'll I'll try and work out in the morning. So um, I'm an early riser. I'm I go to bed really early. Um, everyone laughs at me. I'd, I'd be in bed at nine o'clock if I could. Um, uh, so normally about half six, seven. Um, kind of get started into work and um, pretty good. Wouldn't have it any other way. I really really enjoy it. So. Great. What kind of putting drills are you working on at the moment? Um, got some left to right, right to left, some straight, uh, just some technical changes at the minute, and then I'll do some games after. So we might start at the very, very beginning, if that's okay for you. So you obviously grew up in County Down. Uh, how did you get into the game of golf? Were you from a sporting family? Um, well, my dad and my brother played at Tangigee, which is like five minutes from my house. So um, kind of got dragged out with them and, and fell in love immediately. And um you know, they're a big golfing family, even, you know, my mom didn't play at the time. She's just recently started and, um, you know, everyone was watching golf and, you know, when every tournament was on and, um, like big, big love for golf in my family. And, and then I'm just very competitive and, um, I played a lot with my brother and that was my goal was to get my handicap lower than his. And I remember going on a Saturday to, to RCD, the ladies competitions, I'd be on the first tip, like I need to get cut such and such today because I need to be lower than Luke. Um, that was always my, that was always my goal. So um, just kind of got in through them and then that competitive drive kind of drove me on to where I am now. And does your brother still play? Yeah, he's like a five handicap. So there came a point where I just passed him and then I was like, okay, well, this is boring. We need to have something else now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he loves to hear that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you also um, grew up playing on, on Raw County Down, didn't you? Yes, I did. So I, I joined there when I was about 10. So I was very lucky. Um, I love it there. You know, a lot of the things I learned there weren't 
necessarily golf you know it was going out on a Saturday morning with the ladies and kind of learning respect and manners and to grow up really young you know like no phones in the clubhouse and you know raking the bunkers for some of the older ladies and um, I kind of feel like that really shaped who I am now I learned a lot through that and um, growing up there and then obviously the challenge of the golf course and um, I think it's so funny now to play and, and think, uh, oh my gosh, I couldn't make that carry or I was making like nines on this hole and um, kind of to see that development. But yeah, I'm so grateful for that because I feel like it's definitely really shaped who I am today. No phones in the clubhouse is a great rule, but raking the, the bunkers for some of the, the older, older ladies, is there an age where that stopped or was there a level at your golf where you didn't have to no, do that anymore? I- no it was always funny because a lot of them didn't like uh being in the bunkers you know they're like oh no it's in the bunker I'm like it's okay it's fine um so I think just kind of you know out of respect you kind of you help them out a little bit and um I I really enjoyed it I I loved it I would come home and and talk to my parents about who I played with and you know I I always said like I feel like I have like 80 mums at at RCD you know you're drawn out with a random lady every single Saturday and it's so nice and they really want to see you do well and they're so supportive and um it was definitely a lot of fun. Like if I could go and play in the Saturday competition at RCD, I would, I would do it every day for sure. That's brilliant. It sounds like it's, um, it's a very special community as well as an, an incredible course. Yes, for sure. I mean, they're so supportive. If there's a Curtis Cup, uh, you know, you're guaranteed to see 30 of the ladies there and, and they love it, which is, it's really nice. And then, so how did the course then prepare, prepare you for the, the elite level of, of golf that you're playing now? Obviously, it's, it's an incredible course and a serious challenge. Um, it must have held you in good stead. Yeah, for sure. I think you play there and, you know, you push it back and you go and play off the men's tees and then you go somewhere else and it doesn't feel that tough because you're playing on such a hard course. But for me, I spent a lot of my junior days on the, the week course there and I actually think it's harder because you don't have the par fives, you don't have all of that. So you've got to, got to learn good wedges and kind of strategy. So um, I feel like I learned a lot from playing Ansley course, um, definitely there. And so you you started playing amateur golf at a very, very high level from about the age of 13. What, yes. what, what was your first competitive international experience like? Um, I remember being 13 and I lost a tooth on the way to European um, team championships on the plane and everyone was like oh my gosh we've got this child with us this week Um, but it was amazing you know I remember being so excited to play and then go to the pool and I was just a child and it was actually so beautiful when you look back that you kind of learn to mature you know everyone I was surrounded by was you know three or four years older than me so you kind of learn from them and um, I feel like that got me to mature quite quickly because, you know, I felt like a child there. But when I w- came back a year later and I was 14, it was um, I felt normal. I'm like, I'm here to compete. I'm here to do a job. I'm here to represent my country. So I think that those experiences at such a young age kind of teach you to mature quite early. I was just thinking there. So you're, you just turned 23 years old recently enough. Mm-hmm. So you've got 10 years of elite competition under your belt and you're not, not even out of college yet. That's, that's so scary i feel so old now <laughs> it just no it's more just like the the talent that you had yeah. at such a young age that you were able to like you said at the same time as you were losing teeth you were traveling all over europe competing yeah i'm very fortunate for you know the experiences and competing at the highest level for such a long time in the amateur game was there a moment or a competition or or an age where you kind of realized that professional golf is something that you you wanted to but also could pursue as a career yeah like literally when I was I think 11 and I think um I won 
you know, not the Leinster girls, but there's like a higher handicap section, like kind of a plate or a trophy. And I was so young and it was my first like really big competition, I guess you could say for being that age, I thought it was the biggest deal. And I remember getting to the final and it was match play. And there was like six of the guys from Tanjigi came down with my brother and my dad and they all came to watch and, and I won. And I remember one of them like giving me a piggyback in, like, I still remember it like it was yesterday. And I'm like, this is just so great. Like, I just love this so much. And um, kind of from then, I was just had such a unique like love and passion for it. So I was like, okay, I like this. <laughs> Do you still get piggybacks into events today? <laughs> I wish, absolutely not. <laughs> so from 11 then on to, to 13, competing at Europeans. And um, what, was, what was the trajectory there from, from 13, your first event, on to making Curtis Cup in 2018? Because... There's 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 a lot of a lot of achievements in there along the way. Yeah, I feel like I'm I kind of work in stages, and it takes me a little bit to get comfortable. So like, kind of playing in Ireland, get comfortable, win there. Kind of get into Europe, get comfortable, win there. Take a little bit, get comfortable in America, win there. So I think it's kind of I see it in like three steps. You know, kind of playing a lot in Ireland, and then going to uh, international events, European events. Um, and then going to college and playing over here, you know, I feel like it's been like three stepping stones kind of, and there's gradual improvement, you know, along the way and all of them. And then kind of, you know, the experience is getting comfortable there and the competition you're facing. And then obviously moving to like more competition, harder events, bigger events, and then same. And then you've got the added over here, golf courses are different. So I feel like it's just been gradual progression. That's really interesting. So we, we've had both um, Robert McIntyre and, and John Catlin on who, said more or less the exact same thing as, as you just did there. They they had targets and plans for different levels of golf that they were competing at. So for so for 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 Bob it was playing around Scotland, then getting on challenge tour and then it was getting on to European tour and then it was to win on the European tour. Um John Catlins was a little different. He went by Asia after going mm-hmm. to the States and Canada and then come over to European tour. Um it it's it sounds like that's just what a lot of younger players are that's their attitude now to to get into the professional ranks yeah I think it's nice that you have something that's close that you can achieve I mean it's kind of hard I think if you're sitting there at 15 you know you want to go to college and you're saying I want to be the best player on the LPGA tour because that's so far away you know that's not your next step so I think it's so important to have those steps that you can reach and you know you can achieve and it might be a push but it's still achievable at the same time and um, that's at least the way I look at it. And then, you know, kind of now I feel like I've played college golf one more semester, nearly done with the amateur game. And then now my focus is turning on that next step, turning pro. So I just feel like it's gradual um, progression. And so, so for moving to like playing the Irish and the national competitions to then the international, what were the kind of the big changes at those different stages that you needed to take, I guess, both mentally as a player, but also, um within your own game like what were the the big leaps for you yeah like I remember playing in Woburn in the British Open I think maybe it was 2015 and oh my gosh I if I look back I'm like how did I ever play with the game I had you know I hit it really low wasn't wasn't going far wasn't powerful at all and kind of was optimizing what I had but it wasn't good enough and I kind of knew that so I think from weeks like that, then you go and learn, okay, I need to hit it further. I need to hit it higher. And the more you play with the pros or you play at, you know, a higher level, you know, I'm sure, I don't remember, but, you know, I'm sure my first event away from Ireland, you know, going to like worlds in, in Canada, even I remember Youth Olympics, I went there and I had a bit of a meltdown. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't play this course. I don't have enough height. The grass is so different. I'm not used to this. 
you have those kind of moments and and then I think you try and learn from each of those and then it's just something more exciting to keep building on and that's the thing with this game is you know you're never you're never satisfied you really aren't you can it's not like you run and you set a time and you think there's no way I can ever beat that because you know even if you shoot your lowest score you still think you can do better so I think that's the fun thing is taking what you learn at each event and kind of trying to build on that so think then when you push and you play with better players and you play better events and and you learn to be independent you travel to different courses there's different grasses there's different speeds there's uh so many different things and I think you can kind of learn from that and and each time if you just keep adding something else on then you know you're gonna have such a big progression and big improvement when you look back so what are you working on at the moment for your last last leap yeah, I mean, I, I made a decision after ANA to, to start working with um, a coach here. So um, I've been making so many swing changes since September. So I feel like now is kind of the time to get used to, to that. And he's on the LPGA. So, I mean, that's that's good for me, for where I want to go. And um, I get to see him often. He's actually in town this week. I worked with him yesterday and um, it's been good. So kind of a lot of technical changes and then actually some strategy things like kind of learn a little bit more about the stats. I'm very tough on myself and I try to play shots that I shouldn't that you know if I, I I was a little bit smarter and a little bit less aggressive then um I'd actually see more shots um so kind of feel like I'm still learning a lot but you just get ready for the next step it's just hard because I don't know when I'm going to turn pro I don't know if, if I'm going to turn pro in May I don't know if I'm going to turn pro in August and I'm going to turn pro in October so I feel like that's what COVID's given us it kind of throws everything up in the air and you just have to kind of roll with it so who's the who's the coach that you're now working with um, he's called Jorge Prada. He works with a couple of the ASU alumni. So um, it's been going pretty good. And is that a recent enough change of coach? Um, just after ANA. So that would have been in September. Very good. And what was the, the reason for the, the change? Was it just because he's obviously working on the LPGA? and? Yeah, it's it's nice to have somebody here. And um, I just, you know, I just feel, you know, I've got a really great short game. And there's just some areas in my game that, I haven't been as strong as what I would like. I, I don't hit enough greens and my greens and regs. I would like to see that a lot higher. So um, I kind of just sat down after A and I went through all my stats and I just thought, okay, maybe it's time for, you know, just something new and, and change it up a little bit. So um, very excited with where it's going. I really like how I'm swinging it. I see some differences in my game already. So um, I know it's going to be a, a process, but so far I, I'm really enjoying it and excited for where my game's going. So you, you've mentioned uh, alluded to the fact that you're you're at ASU, which is uh, Arizona State University. Could you, could you talk to us about what exactly it was about ASU that attracted you to that college? I mean, you alluded to, to Phil designing the, the practice facilities, obviously Phil Mickelson, John Ram. I think there's what Paul Casey, Ches Reeve, just uh, the alumni. Yeah, was incredible. Did any of that have a factor, or was it the coaching? Team? For sure. Yeah. Um. I I wanted to go somewhere warm. That was like a no brainer. I was like, oh. I'm not going to cold weather. I've had enough. Um. And then when I go home, I'm like, okay, I've made such a great decision to go somewhere where the the weather's <laughs> great year round. Um. That was definitely a big thing for me. And then also like the alumni. You know, there's so many on the the men's side and see them on the women's side and. Um, you know, you see Anna Norquist, you see Carlotta Saganda, you see Phil, you see John, you see all of these players and you think, you know, there must be doing something special there to, you know, turn out so many great players. So that was definitely a big thing for me. And um, it was kind of weird. Like now I look back and I'm here in college and you see that so many people have issues going to different schools. I just feel so lucky I didn't visit. I just threw myself in the deep end. Like I remember when I was like 15 or 16, I went on to my parents and I was like, mom, dad, I'm going to commit to ASU. And they're like, you think that's a good move you go for it so um it was kind of 
I was just, I don't know, something just felt right. And I was like, I'm going to go for this. You know, now everybody visits like five or six schools. I didn't do any of that. So <laughs> I just feel fortunate that I found somewhere that fits really well for me. What other colleges were, were in the mix there? Was it always ASU from the moment you got in touch with them? Yeah, I kind of, I talked to like a lot of schools, but I mean, I always had like in the front of my mind, like, okay, ASU, like it was always just there. It was, it was pretty easy for me. Um, and then I just felt like I almost had to talk to other schools because I'm like, surely you can't just talk to this one school and think I want to go there. So I kind of talked to other schools, but I'm like, okay, we're going to ASU. So um, I'm just lucky that I got such a good fit for me. Did you talk to to Stephanie or Leona or Lisa about about colleges? Because they've also gone through the same route. Yeah, I remember talking to Steph a little bit at, I think, an Irish close, maybe in Ballybunion. And um, she was at Alabama at the time. And, and then obviously, um, Leona and Lisa, too. I'm, I'm very close with um, them both. So um, definitely spoke to them a lot. And, and they were going down that road at the time. And then it was really nice to have, you know, Leona and Lisa out here as well, because you know, there's not too many Irish girls out here. So it's, it's definitely nice to see some familiar faces every week. So what was it about ASU then that, that won you over? Um, well, the weather, the facilities, I mean, they're always ranked so well. Um, and then I think just like the program turnover, like for me, um, and also this is probably bad to say, but everyone's like, oh, eh, she's not that academic. I didn't want to go to like a really academic school like Stanford. I'm like, I, I want to play golf. I know I want to play golf, so I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to be in here for a long time, but um, it's a lot more work than what I thought. I thought it was going to be, you play golf and, and you occasionally go to class, but that's definitely not the case. You're definitely earning your degree. Yeah. How, how long was it then before before that perception was shattered? Was it kind of first day, first week type the of thing? First, yeah, first week I had this, I, I'm really good at English. I love writing papers and I hate, 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 hate doing maths. And I, I was in a business program and it was five math classes. I take this first college algebra class and I'm like, I told my coach, I said, if I, I'm going to drop out of college. I, I can't do this. And it's the only C I got in college, the only C. And I literally think I passed it by the skin of my teeth. And I'm like, get me out of this business program right now. I cannot <laughs> take another four math classes. So I got into something that was writing a lot of papers and, and that. So um, yeah, definitely a lot harder than what I, what I had imagined. Yeah, we were talking before we hit record that Matt Fitzpatrick had the idea that he'd go to college and play golf and not actually do the college work, but that's that's very much not the case. Um, were ASU very good in terms of giving you any kind of support on that side of things? Oh yeah, they're amazing. I mean, it's it's for every athlete. You know, there's always tutoring. You have mandatory study hours. You have um, all of that. So um, the support you're definitely not missing. Um, there's no really excuses for having bad grades except for being lazy, I guess. <laughs> Um, so then your your career kind of skyrocketed to continue to skyrocket as you were playing college golf over in the States. You by the looks of things, you definitely took to that step up like a like a duck to water. What freshman year, national championship, you're what now four time All American. You name it, you won it basically. Yeah, I mean I still feel like, you know, my best year was my junior year. I had probably my biggest win in my career, win in Pac twelve. So that was just that was so big for me. And uh, I had two other wins in, in the space of like four or five months. So um I see him, I look at it and I think, okay, it took me to it took me two years to get comfortable here because, you know, junior year was the best I had played and although it was steady the other years it you know, junior year was just the most successful for me. So um kind of the same thing but there's just so many things here to get used to you know college golf itself is weird you know you're traveling 
the five of you have to qualify for your spot, uh, which is like a little bit added stress. And and then, um, you know, the golf courses are so different. You know, one week you could be on Bermuda, the next week you're on um, like bent grass and um, kind of adjusting to that as well at different courses. And, and that definitely took a little a little bit of time as well. So the, the team essentially were, were qualified and you had to qualify for this place within the team, was that yes. it? So it's always, you know, there's normally six or seven people on our teams. Our teams are never too big, but um, you have to qualify. So, you know, it's almost harder because you're just playing against your teammates and the people you're practicing with, the people that you're trying to push each other to get better. And, and then you have to, you know, go and play against them. And um, it's something I don't personally enjoy. I'm very lucky now where um, normally I don't have to qualify and our coach has a couple of exemptions and, or, you know, if you get the top 10, you're exempt for the next week. So, um, it's just it's just the, one of the worst things about college. It's the thing that nobody really enjoys that much. Yeah, of course. And so with playing all the, the college golf and, and taking to it very well and ha- having a, a very successful career out there, what was what part of your game, what part of your your psychological side of the game improved the most over those four years of, of competing over there? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was I got a lot more distance. I got a lot stronger. Um that was one big thing, but, you know, I look across the board and I think that, you know, every part of my game improved, you know, um, kind of learned more shots around the greens that you have to have because, you know, the greens are slopey or they're faster. If you're short-sighted, it's, you know, you're in trouble, whereas the field at home, you can almost miss anywhere and you're fine. Um, so kind of developing that edge of the short game. And, and then I feel as a person, you know, you come over here and you learn so much, you know, you have to be independent. You're away from home. You have to manage your own schedule. You have to, you know, you have to cook, you have to clean. It's the things that you don't necessarily think about that are so demanding. You know what I mean? You're not, you can't just go down to your mom and think, oh gosh, can you do this for me? Can you help me? I don't have time. You have to manage your time. So you have time to do, to do everything. So um, I think as a person, you definitely mature and grow a lot here. So that'll all stand to you now as you take your next step onto tour, you'll have, you'll have the laundry and everything sorted. Absolutely. Sorted, food prep don't have to worry about saying we've got that under control now <laughs> you um you meant you mentioned there that once you you started playing college golf that your your distance you started getting a lot of distance um i'd actually love to love to talk to you a bit about that um so like when it comes to the women's game we're seeing um a lot of the korean players are they're arrow straight when it comes to off the mm-hmm. tee and, and just in general and that is a generation of of just bombers they're like the mm-hmm. distance has become much more of a factor in the, in the women's game um i'd love to get like is 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 that your strength there off the tee or yeah like i'm i'm pretty long um i i've never really had to worry about distance um like my club head speeds uh normally around 100 so um it hasn't been something i've been too concerned about but i do think that's the way the game's going to go i think you know kind of this bryson error could you say um where everyone's kind of like this is cool and you know what the thing is it's so fun like I'd rather go and throw some medicine balls and, and do jumps and do par and speed and explosive stuff and get on the range and have a track man and try and hit the ball as hard as I can like I think that's so fun so um I definitely do think you know in the coming years that's going to be you know their kids are starting working out younger they're you know they've got this you know when I was young nobody was even talking about speed it was just hit it straight and then hit it straight again and then try and hold a putt so um, I definitely think the game's going to involve a lot in the next few years. That's interesting because I, I was following you for a few holes at the Irish Golfer Shootout last July mm-hmm. and you were making putts from everywhere. It was, <laughs> it was brilliant to watch. So yeah, obviously you have a great touch around the green as well. Yeah, definitely. I'd say like that's my strength. So that's 
that's what I mean when I, I decided I wanted to, you know, start working with somebody. Um, my long game's always been kind of my weakness, and and uh, I want to. I if I feel like if I hit the greens, I'm I'm a good putter. So then more birdies, right? So um, that's kind of what my my logic was thinking there. So you working on distance and speed, or is is it like dispersion? Um, no, like dispersion, like a lot of technical changes. Um, just trying to hit it definitely straighter. Um, kind of go back to more of a a stock shot. Um, and not try and do so much. You know, I was um trying to do a lot. You know, a lot of draws, a lot of fades, a lot of low, a lot of high. Um, and just kind of feel like I I almost master one shot and um that's one thing I definitely saw at ANA you know a lot of the girls they just they have that one shot they're really good at and if the pin's tight they go at the middle of the green if the, if the pin's in the middle of the green they go straight at it take their birdies when they can and, and minimize the bogeys and um that was definitely something I saw so what's that one shot that you're you're working on so I, I like a little draw um that's that's kind of what I played when I was young so um a little baby draw would be perfect if we could have that every time. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> you're, you're now currently doing a, a master's at ASU again. COVID was one of the reasons for that, but also the last couple of years have been, it's been a bit of a, bit of a whirlwind. Yes, it's been a little rough. Um, I mean, just, you know, falling and breaking my hand, that really took a toll on me. I'm a very positive person and um normally not too much really bothers me but yeah. that hit me hard I think it was just you know it wasn't a golf injury it almost felt self-inflicted in a way because I was like why was I even hiking but you know at the end of the day I look back and I'm like why did I blame myself for so long and I think that was so bad for me mentally but I look back and I'm like what am I gonna do go to the golf course go home wrap myself in cotton wool and hope that I I don't fall ever yeah. you know what I mean it's just it's one of those things you have to live your life and and, and be happy and um I, yeah I blame myself for a long time and, and then obviously I, I came back I, I don't feel like I was ready I was kind of thrown into competing uh, it was rough I, I didn't play hold once who had a lot of uh, pressure on myself and I'd never had an injury before you know that was my that was my first injury so um that definitely that definitely made it tough but yeah you kind of look back now and you think okay I'm glad that happened while I'm in college I'm sure if I play on the LPGA for 10 years, I'm going to have an injury along the way. So um, you kind of think, okay, I'm glad that I experienced that now. So um, in the future, I, I kind of have the tools to deal with that a little bit better. And was that just a, a freak accident that you were out for a hike with, with your family and just tripped or something? Yeah, exactly. I was just, I went up the Moore Mountains with my uncle, my cousin, my brother. And, uh, you know, I've been up there loads of times. It was just normal. And um, everything was fine we were walking down and there was like it was a little bit slippy there was like little rocks on top of um you know the stones when you're coming down mm. and um I said to my brother I said can you take Anna's hand my little cousin I said it's it's really slippy so he took her hand and he was helping her down and then I just fell and I put my hand on and it was actually like a pretty small fall it wasn't that bad and and then um I just I had my hand I think like this I couldn't move and I got home and um I, I went to eat and I couldn't like pick up my fork mm. and my um auntie works in A and E and she was like, just go over and get it checked and the British Am was one week one week later at R C D. And <laughs> um and I just played R C D the day before with one of the caddies, Roger, who I'm close with and he was gonna caddy for me and we kinda had it all sorted out and um I was really excited the game was in a really good place and then um that happened and it just it was rough. It, I think the fact that British Am was at R C D made everything worse and and then I was trying to rush back because I had an invite into the British Open and I missed that. That was tough too. And then 
Um, I started competing a little too soon. I went to Canada, played in the Astro Trophy, and you know it was thirty six holes, thirty six holes, thirty six mm. holes, I think. And uh, and I was in pain, and I was just pretending everything was fine. And I think that just kind of made everything a lot worse. So kind of like learning about that, dealing with it. Um, there's so many things mentally, so many things physically that I learned from it that um, if I ever get injured again touch wood that doesn't happen I'm sure it probably will at some stage but um I just feel like now I'm better equipped to, to deal with that what was the so you're saying that you tried to rush back or you, you felt you might have rushed back mm-hmm. how long was that that period of kind of recovery and rehabilitation I think I broke it on June 1 and I told my coaches in America and they wanted me to come back and have surgery and I didn't want to have surgery and it hadn't even crossed my mind. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Santry Sports Clinic and just get it checked. And actually they wanted to operate on it. So um, I had a surgery four days later, five days later. Um, and then I was wanting to be back competing by the end of August uh, or maybe mid-August. I think the British Open was maybe the first week. And then I, I couldn't play that. And I think I went to Canada mid, mid to end of the August. That is fast. But it was because I lost so much grip strength you know um it was just so weak and it was like then fatiguing very fast yeah so going back into 36 36 36 yeah the the pain you must have been in must have been awful yeah well, i knew i couldn't do damage they told me like the bones healed you can't do damage i think i i kind of knew that it was just more the fatigue but you know it's hard you're playing on a team and and the last thing you want to do is is let anybody down it would almost be easier if you're just playing for yourself but um kind of got through it and and then came back to college and then started up the season here. And I even still felt rushed for that. You know, I was still going to rehab um, every day with a trainer here and trying to get the strength up and strength in the forearm too. And um, I just feel like I wish I would have took more time and, and hadn't rushed it as much. This is all 2019, isn't it? 2019, yes. I'm so lost because of COVID, but yes, it was the end yeah. of 2019. Um, so then even mixed mix within the 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 injury and then there was still quite a lot of professional experience mixed in there there was there were the, the few major opportunities that you got yes definitely and um you know I'm, I'm very grateful for that and um you know I the start of 2020 uh you know obviously the end of 2019 was rough even playing a few college events didn't feel great and then um the start of 2020 was good I felt like my game was trending in the right direction again I felt better mentally and um and that was kind of going the right way, but you know, then three events halt with COVID and then it's been nice to have three majors last year. That was kind of a nice bonus. Um, I just feel like last year was kind of a big learning year. You know, the more you get to play with the pros, the more you, you learn and um, definitely learned a lot from ANA. That's, I'd say that's going to be something I'm going to look back in a couple of years and I'm going to think that was kind of a big, big thing for me on kind of the making almost. Who, who were you playing with that taught you the most from your professional experience so far um I think it's almost just a collection of everything it's you know getting comfortable out there and then also playing with the pros um you know what actually maybe like like Lisette Salas someone like that who just does the basic things so well you know I feel like I often try to complicate things and um you know she hits a lot of fairways a lot of greens and putts really well and that's kind of you know something and obviously playing with Laura Davis has been amazing and, and mm. kind of talking to her a little bit and, and just seeing how she plays you know I think you know everybody's so different you have to kind of find your formula so I think the more you play with different people the more you think oh I kind of like that or oh, I like that or oh, I didn't really like how they did that you know and you can kind of pick a little bit from everybody 
So then for, this is a, a very unfair question, but for any kind of passing fans of, of, of the LPGA, who would you compare your formula to then? So people will oh know what gosh. to see or not know what to expect when they see you. Okay, so like Carlotta Sagan is a, a, is a good friend of mine. She's an alumni here. She also um, works with, she's been working with Jorge for a long time. Um, mm. She's definitely, you know, she hits it long. She hits a lot of fairways. She hits a lot of greens. And, and that's kind of the player I want to be. I want to be long. I want to hit fairways. I want to hit greens. And then I want to pull the putts too. That would be, that would be nice. That would be the dream. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it sounds pretty simple when we're sitting here talking about it, you know? Yeah. And then you go out there and it's just not that easy. <laughs> it's, it's, it certainly is not. So then, I guess if we were to, to go off the calendar year, when was your last professional experience? When was the last? When was the ANA? Um, ANA was in August and then the, the, or the US Open was in December. So that would be the most recent one. Yeah. So how, how, how was the, the, US, the US Open? That was it was it was good and um it was just tough you know I had a a rough start a really rough start you know I hadn't competed since August and then I just made a lot of changes and um I just got on the course and I had this like mental block I've never had it before it was just it was kind of crazy so um that was a little bit rough did you go from the British Open to starting the swing change then in September all the way around no competing um from British Open, so British Open hadn't really competed all summer, just a couple of one-day things in um, in Arizona, or not Arizona, in Ireland, and then went over, played ANA, um, had a break, didn't play anything from August through to US Open, and then played US Open. So it was a, it was a bit of a long break in between. So kind of in that time, I was just doing a lot of technique work, a lot of changes. Um, yeah, and then I, I went to compete and it just it was it was so rough the first the first uh seven holes I, I mean it just blew my mind I, I actually I I was thinking about it after I was like I need to figure out what happened there because I've never experienced anything like it so I I started working with um a sports psych um from back home that uh, David Kearney uh yeah. set me up with and just kind of figure that side out because I don't want to play offense again and I know that it was all mental was the reason why I didn't play well so sure. um kind of figure that out a little bit and um yeah it was it was very strange the u.s open first round is an interesting place to trial out the new technical changes <laughs> well covid you just gotta roll with things really um it's just weird not getting a run at events you just feel so stop we've got months start again so um touch wood i'm excited we get a good run at it now you know we're starting the season in a couple of weeks and got a, a really good schedule all the way through to may so um, I'm just hoping that that goes ahead and then we can you know, kind of get a little bit of momentum and, and keep going and being on the road. Yeah, I'd actually, I'd love to dive into what the 2021 20, year will look like. But um, December itself was, was a busy year as well. After the, after the US Open, you had the, the Palmer Cup where you took two and a half points home. Yes, yes, I think so. Um, yeah, that was just, that was a great week. And um, it was nice to have, uh, Raph and, and Mark there and um, obviously a great win for the team and you know weeks like that are so fun and I think they're going to be the weeks when you turn pro and you're lonely out there and you're by yourself that you look back and you remember you know the Curtis Cups the, the Palmer Cups the Vagliano Trophies you know those events where you have a team and um, that's definitely going to be something that you, you look back on because you're you must be playing less and less match play now because obviously a lot of clubs go off and yeah. states are off broke. definitely I mean we don't have any match play at our, on our schedule until um, all the way until nationals. 
that's that's the only match play so um you definitely play a lot more in europe than than they do here yeah it's it's definitely from, from people we spoke to it's definitely a uh a european game yes i think that's why we we're pretty good at it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um so then Solheim Cup must be something that once you turn professional that you'll have your your eyes on. Definitely. I mean, I think that's, you know, um, most people's goal when major play Solheim Cups, um, definitely. And, you know, when you talk to the girls and you see how much how much fun it looks and um, especially, you know, when you get out there and you don't have anything like that and, and you get that one event, um, then I think that's that'll definitely put it on a pedestal and definitely something that I'm aiming for in the future. It was actually fortuitous that we were talking to you today because we had originally planned to speak on was a Tuesday but on Wednesday you got a very cool piece of mail which um, we'd lo- I'd love to talk to you about. So you're going to be returning to the Augusta National Women's Amateur. You were there two years ago for their inaugural. There was also none in 2020. Um, you're going to have to talk to us about what kind of experience that is. Yes. It's exciting, you know, and that was honestly a surprise for me to get that invitation because um, I turned my spot down in 2020 to play the ANA. So um, they were on the same week and I just thought with where I was that um, I wanted to play in the ANA instead. They're the same week and I was just thinking, I'm, I'm turning pro shortly, I want to get that, that experience. Mm. So um, when they announced that they were going to invite um, everybody that was already invited into 2020, into the 2021, I was thinking, okay, that sucks. I'm going to have to kind of sit at home and watch this, knowing that, you know, I really had a spot there. Mm. So um, I got an email a couple of weeks ago asking, um, you know, was I still going to be an amateur if I got an invitation? Would I would I accept it? So I guess they, you know, there are a couple of players turned pro, so they give the spots. Um down to them you know the, the amateurs are still so maybe there was like five or something existing spots so definitely um a nice surprise on wednesday i wasn't really expecting that so it, it's great i mean it's just i can't put into words how magical it is there and on how good that golf course and how scary and intimidating it is at the same time but um i'm definitely really excited for that it's, it's such a great event so when you get your first letter in 2019 that must be the type of letter that you you frame and, and have somewhere somewhere safe at home yes actually it's the only thing i have framed in my room <laughs> it's on the wall I, don't, I i can i can absolutely see why it's to to be invited but to be invited to the inaugural um i guess the women's uh women's amateurs that's, that's pretty amazing yeah i mean it was it was just so magical i almost felt like it was a kid going to disneyland for the first time you know that sort of way you just you look around and you're just in awe and you take it all in and it, it really is it's incredible we we had James Sugru on earlier on this year, so actually just a week after the Masters, uh, and we asked him what was the the one thing that really stood out to him or, or really struck him. So same same question to you. What what was it that that really first hit you? Um, I think you know the driving down Magnolia Lane is obviously incredible, but one thing that just surprised me was how hilly it is. It's so undulating, and you just don't see it on the TV. Like um, I met with um, Tim Mickelson the week couple weeks before I went and he kind of went through the course with me and um one of the other girls was playing and um he was he made a joke about walking up the 18th hill and I was like I mean I watched it on tv it's not that bad and and you get there and you're like oh my gosh it just is so different to what what you think so um that was one thing that was probably the biggest surprise to me and I think kind of the most magical is just you know driving in and I'm thinking oh my gosh I'm at Augusta National yeah, because I think is eighteen T is elevated. Then there's a massive dip that you go down, and then yes, you walk and back you're up. going straight up. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's that, that's I imagine that's a pretty serious hill, all right. Yes, it's pretty serious. It's, um, I was like, what? I don't even I didn't even see this on TV. What's kind of going on here? Just the whole place. It's it's a lot bigger than than what I thought. And um, I mean, it's just incredible. Like it's so surreal. Like I I even thinking about it now, I kind of have like goosebumps. You know, it's just it's it's like a golfer's dream, really. Yeah, it's 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 a place. It's Disneyland that a lot of us will never get to get to visit as well. Is there is there a um is there a shot or a hole from your your rounds over there that really stands out to you? Yeah, so on on the ninth hole, it's me and nine's like the scariest green. It's like three tiers so fast. So hit my drive a little bit right and and I hit it short and I was just chipping up and I hit a really nice chip to like four feet and I have four feet left to right downhill. And I'm thinking, if this doesn't go in, like, I could easily put this off the green. So I'm aiming, like, two foot outside left on, or maybe even, like, three foot. and just tap this thing, and it goes in. And I've never been so relieved in a whole other part of my life. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I could literally put this off the green. It's just, it's just um, kind of scary at the same time. But um, that really stands the news. A lot of people are on watching. There was really big crowds. And, um I've never been, I think, so nervous on a putt before. Yeah, I'd say playing that course anyway and then having that with crowds, um, that's probably one of the more nerve-wracking putts you've, you've probably hold. That and then holding the putt in 18 to win Pac-12. Yes, that too. Um, it was nice, though, because, you know, we really felt, you know, obviously to, to go out and, and to stage an event like this at such a historic venue uh, for the women's game, it's just absolutely massive and, and then to see so many people come out and support it and um, have such big crowds. And it kind of looked like TV in a way, um, mm. you know, when the guys are playing there. I think that's, you know, something that really stands out for me is, you know, I'm so passionate about growing the game and getting so many girls into it. And I think this event is going to be um, huge for that. So um, that definitely made it a lot, a lot special, like very, very special as well. That's certainly one of the one of the highlights for the year ahead. So what's the, what's the rest of your schedule look like for 2021? Yeah, so I've kind of got, you know, the first the first bit until May kind of sorted, you know, obviously the college season, um, have Gusta in there as well and um, you know, hopefully we get a good run of that and COVID doesn't um really affect that. So kinda of got till May and then I've got a couple of ideas in my head, you know, um one idea is turn pro um straight out of college and, and try and get some invitations which would be amazing and um kinda of get the, the ball the ball rolling and, and turn pro soon and um if not, you know, Q schools in August, um, stay amateur, play the whole summer, play another Curtis Cup, um, and then turn pro in, um, turn pro after Q school, maybe September time. Um, so just kind of wait and see what happens. I feel COVID's taught us that you can't really plan too much and you don't really know what's ahead. So um, I'll just kind of wait and, and see um, what happens. But they're kind of my two options right now. Yeah, it sounds like you have a couple of, couple of plans and a few few backup plans as well, which which certainly yes. helps. So the Masters ends in around May, is it? Um, it's in April. So um, Nationals will be in May and they're here in Arizona, which is really nice. So um, that'll be a big one. So you kind of feel like you have two majors in there. You've got Augusta, you've got Nationals and um, kind of that's like the two, the two priorities from now until May, really. That's it sounds like a, a, a very, very busy first half of the year. So so between the masters and then obviously it, the the practice is almost like a full time career in itself. What what do you do then to to relax or unwind in your in your downtime? 
well I feel now I have no social life because my master's program is just taken over I'm, I get home I'm like I need to do homework so um, it's a little tough right now I think I, I pushed myself a little bit trying to, to do a master's while um, you know in college so uh, that's minimal but normally I love spending time with my friends you know just have overcooked dinner together and um, work out go for a hike in the morning um, I'm just I'm kind of a, a very chatty bubbly person so I definitely like spending time with people so that would probably be the main thing for me I don't really mind what we're doing but just having my friends close and and doing some fun things you haven't given up on the hikes anyway no I actually I did my first one last uh last fall and I was like so nervous I honestly don't think I've been so nervous because I don't think I've forgiven myself and fell again but I was like okay come on you enjoy this you gotta live a little so all good touch wood very cautious with where I go though so when's the the first event then coming up uh, we start next Saturday so a week tomorrow so it's pretty okay. soon and is that local or due to travel yeah local most of them are in Arizona um the COVID restrictions here are pretty good um they're not too strict so um we're actually hosting quite a few events which is nice because they're on courses we know so um that'll be good um so mainly Arizona and California so not too much traveling which is really nice too and the added advantage of home events Exactly, and though yeah. we can't have spectators, devastating. But um, so <laughs> we'll we'll we'll, fi- we'll finish on this, and I'm always I'm always curious by by this last question, which is just just what what's what's in the bag at the moment. Um, all tight list. Um, I got the new uh, driver in Freewood, which is phenomenal. It's so good. Um, been tight list since I was like 13, so um, it's so bad I couldn't even tell you the names of my irons. I just have grit fitters, and I go. I'm like you tell me what you like what what's going the best and i'll i'll play them so um that's good but a uh, new driver in three has been really good um lovely stuff well listen olivia thank you so much for your, your time thank you very much and best of luck this season and turning pro thank you so much thank you on the tee jack nicholas this is the minute the millions around the world have waited for we will allow you to enjoy all of this They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. 